Potential mutiny in the ACC, USC has another workplace investigation and a change in leadership, and oh by the way, the NCAA video game is officially coming out in 2024. Welcome along everybody to another episode of The Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's Nose and the Jimmys and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. You're back with us this week. Gentlemen, uh, we are creeping ever closer towards full-fledged football coverage once again the offseason is uh, entering its last days I feel like at least now we're going to start having content um, that is just kind of coming out every single day news media days etc but we get to talk about a video game today which is something that we have not had a chance to chat about in a very long time amongst other things how are we doing today on what is a, I mean, glorious Saturday outside here in the Lone Star State? Yeah, I mean, we're under 100 days now from week zero action kicking off. That's always such a fun milestone to reach. And double digits means that we it, it's going to fly by fast. I know it's the dog days of summer coming up. But yeah, with previews, with you know our preview magazine that's coming out with the transfer portal that we're really, really excited about um that stuff is just gonna fly by there's gonna be plenty of content to get us through these last few months before we're finally back talking about games again and yeah it'll be here before we know it yeah not just the dog days of summer but the dog days of the off season which of course is is not everyone's favorite time typically because you know we're not talking about games and stuff happening on the field but this is when you get an episode like today where you get to talk about all sorts of off-the-field drama, all sorts of conferences figuring out where they want to be and, and, and teams doing what they want to do. And then obviously, yeah, we get to talk about the video game, which is super cool. Um, and, and, you know, in Texas summers like this, you're going to be spending some time playing video games because if you stay outside the whole time, you're probably going to get a heat stroke and, and fall over and, you know, not be able to keep going. So, uh, yeah, super excited to, to be doing this and getting into this off-season content. Well, as the off-season continues, our partnership with University Tradition continues. Uh, They've got some of the best hats that uh, are in the game, plain and simple. You guys are wearing two of them on the video side right now. Uh, If you're not watching on on the video side, head on over to uh, youtube.com slash 3techpod. But yeah, they've sent us a a number of just great hats. College Station Collection, Fayetteville Collection are represented on this episode right now. Trey, I actually forgot to give you your Lexington hat yesterday. My, my bad, mea culpa there. Uh, but just some some wonderful hats, great styles for whether you're you know doing something with family, friends, if you're on the golf course, or if you're going to a game from your favorite team. University of Traditions has you covered. And our partnership with them means that you get to save. So head on over to univers- universitytraditions.com. You can use our code 3tech15, 3tech15 at checkout. You get 15% off your entire order. Tell them that we sent you and uh, get ready to enjoy one of the best hats that you've ever had uh, the pleasure of wearing. We're also obviously partnered with the Transfer Portal CFB. Uh, Trey, as you mentioned, we are inside 100 days to week zero. We are really coming down the home stretch for the release of our college football preview magazine that will be coming out at the beginning of July. You can head on over to the Transfer Portal either website or their Twitter account to pre-order your digital copy today. It's going to be just $9.99. I know all three of us are working very hard on preview articles, finishing all that up so that we can get it edited and published. Um, I think it's going to be one of the best magazines out there, guys. We, we put a lot of research into it, and um, I, I've got to say, from all of the articles that I've seen, the writing matches up with some of the traditional preview magazine powerhouses. I, I couldn't be more excited about this. If you want like the just in-depth knowledge of whatever team is going to be on your favorite team's schedule, at least going into the off season, 
man, like they've done, we've done all the research for you. Our, our staff of writers, it, it's really incredible to see what they're putting out there. Like you said, Mitch, all the ones I've read have just been fantastic. So I know I've been neck deep in BYU research, Eastern Michigan research, possibly taking on a couple other ones here pretty yeah. soon. But yeah, it's been super fun to get to know these teams that I wouldn't necessarily be deep diving in. And yeah, it, we're going to have those deep dive articles for every single FBS team. So whoever's on your team schedule, we are going to cover them. If you want to know the two deep, if you want to know who to watch out for, get this magazine. It's going to be cheaper than anything else that you can find on the shelves and it's delivered right to your inbox. So you can't beat that. I'm really, really excited to, to unveil this. Uh, but today we've got a couple of other things to talk about. And let's first start out West. Let's, let's just knock this out. Uh, USC, looking for a new athletic director just a couple of years after bringing Mike Bone over from Cincinnati. Shocker, uh, he's been ousted from power, workplace, culture issues. It's kind of a creep, to, to put it bluntly. Uh, we don't have to get into all that. I'm sure you can go go find plenty of articles being written on it, but he had some, uh, not allegations, but some, some concerns from coworkers at Cincinnati where he worked, his treatment towards women, that continued at USC, and the Trojans have decided to part ways with him. This is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because USC is at a pivotal time as a school. Uh, they they need they need an established leader as they get ready to head into the Big Ten. It's also terrible timing because guys, USC has been embroiled with scandals over the last couple of decades, uh, and you know they just got done clearing up an academic. Uh, admissions scandal, and now we're right back into another one with workplace culture, and um, it, it's just a tough look for for the Trojans out west. Yeah, it's never something you want to see. It's definitely something we want to talk about carefully on our platform, but yeah, just just never something you want your school to be in the spotlight for. So kudos to USC for not letting this fester and drag into uh, something that they're digging their heels in on. They just kind of got it over with and pulled the cord. So, I mean, best of luck to them to finding a new athletic director. They definitely need to have strong leadership going into the big 10 because that's a conference full of great athletic directors that aren't embroiling their campuses in scandal every other week. So, uh, got to get this hire right to, to get started on strong footing in a new conference. And, um, I, I have no doubt that they will do their due diligence and find somebody that's worth it, uh, worth the hire this time. But yeah, just kudos to them, I guess, for pulling the cord when they did and not dragging this out. Yeah, and I mean, sucky timing on the football front, obviously. I, you you want to make sure that you do the right thing. Obviously, none of us would be advocating for, oh, well, you're starting to win. So, you know, don't do the right thing and get the right people out. I mean, that's, you know, not to go too far back, but that would be kind of what Baylor ended up doing where they started to win. And then they're like, oh, we'll look over some things in the meantime until too much came out. And then obviously the scandal got even bigger. So kudos to USC for actually doing the right thing early, but man, on the football front, like you just became relevant last year for the first time in probably a decade plus, you know, you're, you're finally investing in your football program the way that I think a lot of their fans would want them to. They got Lincoln Riley, you know, coming in, they got the, the Heisman, and they got all these, these massive accolades coming in from this last season. And, you know, I know that a lot of people are looking to them to be, you know, sort of a dark horse playoff team. You just don't want distractions, right? You don't want you know, distractions in this way where you would, you know, take anything away from the football program, anything away from any of the sport programs, but specifically with their football program, trying to chase the championship. You don't want something like this to take away from it, but good for them for not letting it spiral and get out of control. It's going to be curious to see how quickly they try and replace him, um, given all the decisions and definitely a captain at the wheel of the ship that they need heading into the Big Ten. It would be it would be interesting to watch USC not only contend for a national title, but also make a landmark realignment move uh, without without someone at the helm. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll see what USC does, how quickly they fast-track that. If they have a short list of candidates, uh, I, I don't know. But uh, that's that's still very much developing. Uh, USC needs to, to find a solution, and they need to do it quickly. Speaking of... Captain at the helm of ship. Guys, do we have a mutiny in the ACC right now? We've been, we've been talking about the Pac-12 and their media rights drama and possible realignment and who's in and who's out, uh, who's maybe you know checking the, the grant of rights. Well, 
we actually have that happening in the ACC. The Athletic, multiple other uh, outlets reporting that seven ACC schools reportedly uh, talked with their lawyers to, to try and figure out, okay, how deep is this grant of rights? How tied to this conference are we? You know, Florida State, they came out uh, recently and said everyone at, at, in the ACC is just thrilled to be here. We couldn't be any more aligned. We're all singing kumbaya. This is the same athletic director at Florida State who also said that, hey, we're falling $30 million behind the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC um, on a yearly basis. So I'm not buying it. I, I think the ACC it has a terrible media rights and grant of rights deal right now securing those schools to the same media deal through 2036 i believe is the tenure um i tell you what guys i think i think the question as our favorite pirate captain captain jack sparrow asked why is the rum gone i think this might be the answer <laughs> yeah I, I love that we're calling this a mutiny i i, I want to run with that the branding of this is the acc mutiny Hundred percent. I'm I'm behind that. This uh, is the episode title. By we the need way. A, we need a drop. <laughs> we need something to just update people on this. But I I feel for Florida State, right? I I feel for the Clemsons. I feel for the for the magnificent seven. I've seen some calling it that are you know starting to lawyer up and just really scrutinize this document because they are the ones that are carrying that league and they are the ones that are the reason that the ACC is what it is from a football standpoint. So. Yeah, of course you're going to be wanting your school, looking in the best interest of your school, and looking in the best interest of your school is not letting it fall further and further behind the other schools around the country that can actually compete for national championships. Because no disrespect to Boston College, no disrespect to the other members of the ACC. I'm, I don't know why I singled out Boston College, but I'll throw a couple <laughs> other new forests, you know, um, that the smaller schools in the ACC – that you're probably not realistically looking at competing with the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world, but Clemson, Florida State, and Miami, and the rest of those schools, they definitely want to dream uh, big like they can, and they definitely can. We've seen it from Clemson in the last decade. So, of course, they're going to look out for their best interests and falling $30 million a year behind, and that number is only going to get bigger because the SEC and Big Ten are smart and don't stretch their grant of rights out 15, 20 years in advance. It, it, it's not conducive to f fielding a championship team, fielding a competitive team at a national level level when you're falling that further behind your competition. So I, I don't blame them one bit for looking at all their options and seeing if they can actually get out of this, whether or not they can, it seems like they would have figured it out by now because they've been looking at this. We've been hearing about this uh, just at an individual school basis. We didn't know it was seven, half the league looking at this, but we have heard individual schools looking at this, I think dating back to January or February of this year, when we started hearing rumblings out of Florida state. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think they would have found something by now. Um, I think, you know, a lot of this saber rattling um, definitely going into the ACC meetings was, you know, voicing their displeasure and saying, we, we really need to get this figured out sooner rather than later. But, I think if they would have found an individual solution, they would have found it by now, right? You would think so. I mean, the the way that I look at this is you have to, and let's start with this, to be fair to a team like a Boston College, right, or just any other ACC program. I don't know why we're singling them out. But, um, but to every, you know, for every Boston College, you know, you can also look across and say, oh, well, like, you know, there's a, a you know, Vanderbilt in the sec right or there's you know a rutgers or there's all sorts of different teams across this country even in powerful conferences who realistically they're not looking at championships they're not looking to compete you know at, at a high level with the ohio states and the alabamas of the world anyways either right so just because they're in that conference and i know that not, that's not what you're saying but i just want to be fair to you know some of those other teams but Guys, the ACC schools that are talking about this, you know, your Florida States, Clemsons, North Carolinas, all those, they're not talking about competing at a national level. They have to compete regionally. I mean, Florida State yeah. has to compete with the fact that Florida is getting way more money than them for the fact that they're not even really that much better as a program. They're not better as a football team than where Florida yeah. State is now. They're, they're coaching situation much less secure. Their roster's in a much worse place. 
And, and so when I look at this, I say, you know, Florida State has to compete there, right? Clemson has to worry about the fact that they got this guy named Shane Beamer, who, who's starting to kind of you know, get on a little bit of a heater here. Yeah, yeah, he, he's starting to get on a heater and, and figure something out there for South Carolina. So, you know, if you're some of these teams who are going to be losing that much money to rival schools in your region, you have to find a way to step up or you're going to get left behind. It doesn't matter where you are now. You have to step up at some point or else you're going to fall behind. So, you know, when I look at this whole situation, I think about the the ACC and what they're doing. You know, I, I get concerned about, you know, longevity, not just from the grand rights standpoint, but from the fact that, yeah, they are dealing with direct competition in their region. You know, when, when we talk about the, the Pac-12 and everything else, they're kind of off by themselves on the other side of the country, which, you know, might be part of their issue from the media rights perspective. But it's also, it, it's not like they're competing, you know, because, you know, 50 miles down the road, there's another team from a big conference that's competing for those looks as well. So I, I think you have to, you have to look at this as a holistic issue for these conferences and not just looking at it from, oh, it's just the SEC and the Big Ten. Those are the two big ones. But there's going to have to be somewhere for these other conferences to exist. I, I think the ACC is in a pretty rough spot right now. Honestly, the thing that the ACC is probably hoping happens most is that the Pac-12 can't figure it out. So that kind of solidifies their status, you know, for the the media deals nationally. They're probably looking at the Pac-12 saying, yeah, y'all keep figuring it out. Keep talking to Ion, please. Well, it's so curious to go back and look at Michael Alfred's quotes, I, I believe from February was when he was talking mm-hmm. with the Florida State uh, Board of Regents and, yeah, made it very clear, hey, guys, listen, you know, this, we're, not, we're not thrilled with the ACC um, because we're falling $30 million behind the Big Ten and the SEC on an annual basis as it currently exists. Now, this past week, he said the exact opposite. We are, quote, thrilled to be a part of the ACC. He also said everybody in the conference is in lockstep. They're all unified on making this the best conference that they possibly can. To me, that's just, that's all hot air. Because at the end of the day, the ACC has to find a new rev share model that actually works for the schools, right? When they were the first domino to fall, it's kind of like the, the quarterback market in the NFL, nobody wants to be the first quarterback to get an extension because the market resets every single time someone signs. So if you're number one, you're setting the market. That means the market only goes up from there, right? So by the time you've got three, four, five quarterbacks signed, or in this case, conferences renegotiating media rights deals, you're going to be at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, it's it's very similar, I think, to what we saw with the Texas with Texas and OU leaving the Big Twelve, where that grant of rights is is so is going to hold them back so much. They've got to find some sort of legal loophole or buyout, which it would be a massive amount of money that they left on the table if any ACC school were to find the legal ground to leave. But if there's enough of an incentive for say the SEC says that, Hey, we'll take Florida state and Miami. You better believe they're going to make up any money they leave on the table with the ACC. Really to me, the only question is what gets put in place first? Is there a new revenue share model that gets ironed out behind closed doors in the ACC or do teams lawyers come up with, with a, a tangible excuse uh, and an invitation that they can accept to another conference? Well, at the end of the day, this is hot air. (laughs) There's nothing else that it can be because if you're an athletic director at Florida State or, you know, wherever, of course, you're going to be saying that things are are great and dandy and everyone loves it here because how else are you going to negotiate for a contract, right? How else are you going to go? They saw how this went with the Pac-12, right? Arizona's AD did the same thing. He was like, no, everything's great. You know, media deals coming soon. It's going to be even better. It's going to be awesome. And we're still waiting months later. Right. And maybe, you know, he doesn't really know what the word soon means, but I mean, we're all we're all waiting on this deal to still go. The ACC is going to be the same way. Right. They saw what happened and they said, oh, if we don't really project, you know, a strong front and project that we have a great future ahead of us with big brands, big teams, all that stuff like that. There's no way that we can get a deal together. And of course, they're going to project that because probably behind the scenes, they've looked at their situation. They realize, yeah, there's not really a way out of this. And so we're going to fall behind unless 
we can get that new deal structured. Of course, they'd, you were saying, oh, no, we feel thrilled to be all together. It's like, well, they're clearly not thrilled about losing $30 million a year when it comes to their, their competition. They're not thrilled about that. If you were thrilled, you wouldn't be having the conversations at all. Yeah, they, <laughs> they wouldn't have to be asking the question if he was thrilled. You know, they, did they ask Alabama, are you guys thrilled to be in the SEC with their media rights? You know, that's an obvious answer. Of course, they're thrilled about it, right? And so it's, for me, I just look at this and I say, they don't have any negotiating room if they don't project strength and, and unity as a conference. And, and right now, the easiest answer for Florida State is to continue with what they have. It, it's much easier for them to continue in their conference. They don't have to worry about you know restructuring, rescheduling, and mixing everything up. That's the easiest way forward. The the less you know the least complicated way forward, at least. Um, and so I, I think that that has to be where they start and say, we got to find a way to at least get competitive, even if we're just, you know, 10, 15 million in the hole, we'll take that. We can still keep up with that. Yeah. And they are the most interesting thing, I think, to me in all of this is the rumors that what these seven schools are pushing for is unequal revenue sharing that's based on performance on the field. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've ever seen that in a conference. No. We've definitely seen unequal revenue sharing. And we saw that almost kill the Big 12 conference uh, about 10 years ago. But I don't think we've seen it based on performance on the field. And I'm in theory, I'm not necessarily against that because, you know, Boston yeah, College, model, baby. yeah, and, and European soccer does similar yeah. things as well. Like you earn your way up, you earn more revenue for your club by having a good season at your level and being promoted or relegated if you have a bad season. So, you know, Boston College, keep picking on them. But if they have a magical season right and win the win the acc in a 12 team playoff year and get an automatic bid then hey you just upped your recruiting budget to sustain that success and become a staying i don't hate that i don't necessarily hate that if i'm a lower level team that feels slighted by this if i'm wake forest and the success that they've had recently and i get you know paid out based on actually winning and i look at miami who's sitting there at five and seven uh yeah give me that give me your cut miami i i don't hate that necessarily now, does that mean that if boston college is like really bad or wake forest is really bad that they get relegated to like cusa or something i would like, love they have that. to go I mean, play in a different like group of five conference at that point or i mean we're like, about we to about? we're about to transition to video game talk in a second i, I always set say, up my dynasties with a relegation spreadsheet but I love that. I, I mean, if we want to talk pipe dream college football offseason. Like, yeah, relegation and promotion would be absolutely incredible if we could figure that out. But um, yeah, no, I the the revenue sharing based on performance on the field and incentives to, you know, reach the college football playoff, win the ACC, that almost drives it back to the importance of conferences and gets us away from this national arms race that it feels like we're dipping into. So I don't know. It, it seems like that that would not last forever. That would certainly go out the window in 2036. It would be a way to appease these teams that think that they are the class of the ACC for the next 10, 15 years until that grant of rights expires. And then I'm sure they would be gone, right? Like as soon that that's just kind of yep. a bone to keep them here for a while. But I, I don't hate that idea in theory. Well, okay. So uh, let me, let me ask this. First of all, we're not getting invited to, to chestnut hill anytime soon um that's, <laughs> so we we can we can mark oh that man the, the bucket list i guess um second my only question and and look you know trey you and i like you said uh we both have played ncaa 14 with that relegation model it's a lot of fun the the thing that makes me wonder if it would work or even if it should be pursued at the college level is Ultimately, like these institutions aren't set up for their sole goal to be to win championships right, right. now. Some schools, some schools, that is what they do, right? I, I mean, that's, that's just, that's how they make their money. But at the end of the day, like schools are supposed to be academic based in nature, right? Like a athletics is still under some pretext as being not the primary reason you go to school Shout out Cardell Jones. Uh, we ain't playing no school. I, I hear that. I get that. I know how the world works. But I do wonder if, from a perception standpoint, if that's enough of a difference where, you know, over in, like, like I said, F1 or 
you know, the, the Champions League, the, the European soccer carousel, all of that is for profit, for championships, solely focused on winning. Anything less than that is not not permissible. You're going to have staff changes. You're going to have people fired, et cetera. Does that work? What what kind of world are we creating, whether it's here or not? And I'm I, I realize it's really that way already. But is that kind of like the last the last shoe to drop between true amateurism and college leagues and college sports really just becoming, you know, a, a pipe feeder for major league sports, really its own division of major league sports. I think you just described the SEC when you were describing Formula One and, you know, European soccer and it just being about championships and you get shown the door if you don't get results almost immediately. That's the SEC right now, man. Like that that's what the Big Ten is shifting towards with the moves that they're making. Yeah. I I mean, you know, love it or hate it, that's that is the direction that we are moving. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting the the divide between the schools that really do still put academics first, right? The I'm I'm thinking of the Dukes, the Stanfords, the you know, Virginia is part of this group of seven, but they are a very prestigious academic school. Right. Uh, you know, the, the we could go down to the G5 level and look at the Rices, the two lanes of the world, right? The, the very prestigious academic schools sure. that do not lower their admission standards even for athletics. How in the world do they keep up in a world like this? They're already struggling as it is, but they, that it's just impossible. So it's almost like it, it, the Dukes of the world really are up against the eight ball. And I know that we love the coaching situation. We love what Duke's doing right now, but long-term it's going to be a extremely uphill battle in a situation like that. Uh, and that's a fair point. That That's a totally fair point. I think it's what makes the continued evolution of college sports and the business of sport at the NCAA level. So fascinating that you're seeing so much money get poured into this livelihoods and careers are made at this level, right? It's not, it's not just a incubator for the next round of professional athletes. And Oh, by the way, like, you know, you can get a degree while you're here too. The focus truly has shifted to come here, win championships, make a legacy and go get paid. Who, who needs, who needs that piece of paper with, you know, a degree on it if you're going to make all this money and do it right. And, and Trey, like you said, if you if you don't come here and don't play school, uh, you do it poorly, then you get shown the door. Yeah, yeah. So Especially with the transfer portal and all and all that as well. Now, like well, it, it's well, very exactly. easy. Yeah, exactly. We were having a conversation last night about not a football team, but a, another college sports team that you know the analysts around the program are being quite quite honest that hey this team has underperformed. Everybody is, is, you know, going to be shown the door pretty much. It's going to be invitation only uh, to next year's team. And the transfer portal is going to be how they rebuild. Um, so like so it or not, that's, big- that's where we are. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Big picture, how does that affect you guys' excitement for college football? Because, you know, there's a reason we're a college football podcast and not an NFL podcast, right? Like we, we do love what makes college football unique and we still are going to have a ton of that. I think the 12 team playoff is definitely going to preserve the shot that some of these, you know, next lower tier 
programs are going to have to actually compete for national the, the TCUs of the world, right? I know they made it in a four team playoff, but you know, how does that how does that affect y'all's long term excitement or outlook for the sport? You know, I think for me, it's just it's going to be about the same. I don't think it's going to affect it in a negative way, just because you know when I look at this, I say people are already good if they invest in their program, right? Very rarely and in very, very few instances does a team really invest in its program. It spends the money that it needs to to build good facilities and get a good coaching staff and and the, the recruiting efforts and whatever else. Very rarely do those types of teams not field competitive teams that can win a lot of games and, and go to bowl games and you know compete for conferences. I'm not saying you can buy a championship. That's not what I'm saying because clearly not. But – you know, if you can go and invest in a good coach and, and stick around for a little while, put you know your money in your into your facilities, that's a decision that as a university, you're deciding to use that money for that instead of building a new science center or whatever else. But I mean that's choices, in right? Some, in some places. A lot of, right, a lot in, of places yeah, in some in some cases it's yeah. earmarked for other stuff. But what I'm saying is as a university, you can make choices to focus on to emphasize whatever you want to. And, you know, some universities focus on emphasizing on sports because they know they're not going to compete academically. So they say, I want to focus more on sports. And if our education levels are a little bit lower, that's fine with me. And those are the teams that are already good anyways, right? Now that you're going to have some anomalies out of nowhere, you know, obviously you had Stanford being extremely competitive for a few years there. And, you know, they're competitive on occasion. And you have some teams that crop up every now and then have a really good season. But as a whole, it's going to be you know, a lot of those teams from the middle of the country, the SEC and the Big Ten, who they know they're not at the same level academically as some of the other schools, but they're going to compete when it comes to football and basketball and, you know, baseball and whatever else. And so uh, for me, that's that's the only thing I look at is I say those teams are already doing that. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. You're just going to formalize a lot of what's been informal. Hey, you you leave my liberal arts budget out of this, right? So support... <laughs> Support Lib Arts majors. Uh, that's all I have to say about uh, being, you have to. keeping church it. and state separate there. Uh, just one clarification, just so Stanford fans don't get mad at us, because I know a couple uh, people that graduated from there. Y'all crush in, like, men's water polo. And, oh, yeah. You know. Get their top three in the Director's Cup every single yeah, year. Yeah, every year. They're, it's basically it's a college Stanford football Texas. podcast, though. It's, yeah, well, it's basically <laughs> Stanford and Texas that compete for the Director's Cup at the D1 yeah. level every single year. Y'all crush in everything but the sports that people want to watch. Uh, that's that's as <laughs> that's as nice as I know how to put it. So that's the most backhanded yeah. compliment I've ever well, heard. Well, I was going to say, out, <laughs> Olympian. We we care about those sports every four years, Mitch. It's called the Olympics, that's, and we get true. really excited to root for everything Stanford's good at. They just have to be wearing red, white, and blue. That's that's true. Fly old glory, and, and suddenly we care about Stanford athletics and the progress they've made the last four years. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so we'll we'll leave that there for right now. Uh, guys, no matter which side of the fence you fall on uh, when it comes to where money is going, where college football is going, and, and we've talked about doing some sort of podcast around the hype level and the health of college football, uh, I think we're in a great spot as far as excitement level, no matter how the line between amateurism and professionalism gets blurred. But without a doubt, one thing we can all agree on, EA College Football is coming back 2024. We're going to have to get used to calling it that because it's not NCAA 24. It's EA College Football 24. First of all, as we break open this topic on this podcast and talk about how excited we are, are you going to be able to make that name-calling switch? Because I don't know that I'm going to be able to consistently call it anything other than NCAA 24. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it NCAA a hundred percent. They they can find me if they want if they want to charge my Venmo account every time I do it on here. But oh, I, here. I probably won't pay it. <laughs> like yeah. won't like that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, for me, it's kind of similar how you've had a lot of recent name changes on a lot of different things, and you know, I I'm still gonna just get stuck calling things what I used to call them when I was a kid because that's how I remember them and think about them in my brain. I can't help that. Yeah, no, it, that's, didn't that's it start fair. as like Bill Walsh college football and the teams? Uh, th yes. This was before I was able to play video games. I was not mentally coherent enough to play video games when it was this way. But the teams were like College Station and Austin and mm, right. 
like Columbus. Like they didn't even have the school right. names back when it first started. So didn't have the licensing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which which is a great segue if if you're maybe out of the loop and wondering, okay, what what's changed? Why is NCAA twenty four now or Just there I go again? <laughs> the video game. Why is up. the video Put game? In the jar, man. <laughs> Why is it greenlit now? Why is it official now? Well, it's because finally the NCAA and EA College Football or EA Studios have have finally figured out how to get most of the licensing done. Right. So over 120 of the 133 now, I believe FBS schools have agreed to be a part of this game. And the big sticking point, that's old news. The big sticking point has been player likeness in the game. Obviously with NIL, that opened the door for this to be possible, but there still had to be a licensing model that was uh, gen- generic enough to provide money to all athletes who wanted to be a part of the game, but specific enough for the stars like Caleb Williams, who should make way more off their likeness in this game than the second string, you know, edge rusher at name your mountain West conference school here. Um, And so it seems like finally there is a model now in place. uh, At least the agreement is in place where EA can start building the game with players, with likenesses in the game. Uh, So first of all, give me your take on that, your thoughts. That seems like really great progress, and then I kind of want to dive into some specifics, start projecting, okay, how fun is this game about to be for those of us that love college football? Right. Well, this is awesome for progress. I mean, we've been waiting on this game for a decade at this point, and the fact yep. that we're able to get it, I think, is is pretty awesome. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of different opinions back and forth that I've heard, and I've discussed a lot of people pretty much universally. The only people who don't like a lot of this are going to be the old fuddy-duddies anyways who... You know, they, they didn't, I don't think that college athletes should get paid. They're getting an education. Why isn't that good? And, and so those are the only people that don't like the whole model and what we're doing anyways. Now, I, I think this is awesome. I think this is like truly amazing that we're able to finally give players what they deserve. Um, there's a lot of backdated stuff that I think players probably deserve. We can talk about that in a second with cover athletes and all that. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot that we can and probably should do to um you know to to embrace this model and start to pay this forward and and do what we should have been doing probably the whole time you know it's it's the whole point of you know not having qb number 15 anymore but now you can actually put you know tim tebow on the field right you can actually use tim tebow and it's not you know qb 15 left-handed for florida or whatever so (laughs) it's yeah i I just think it'll be it'll be a big improvement um and yeah if we got to get used to connor da instead of ncaa that's fine so be it yeah, it, well said, Garrett. I, I, I think it's going to be huge to continue the growth of the popularity of the sport. I think that, you know, you want to keep getting younger and younger audiences in. The way that you do that is, you know, reach them where they are. Not everyone has um, the ability to watch the games every single day. Not everyone has, you know, especially, you know, the younger generation, high school, middle school kids coming up. They, they're not in charge of their financial decisions in their house. They're not in charge of the cable selections and whether or not their favorite team is in that cable package. Like they're not getting to make yeah, who gets eye on. I don't know. Exactly. Don't know like with the Pac-12 media, right? So who knows? Like the, the kids on the West coast, the way that they can see their team play <laughs> might be on college football 2024. Um, so yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be great for the growth of popularity. I think that you had really seen that struggle outside of, you know, the athlete community. You go, I remember coming up and growing up just college football being more a part of the sports discussion. Like, and, you know, that I was obviously a big college football fan even growing up, but like even friends that were, you know, just into the sports conversation. Now it's all nfl it's all nba it's all pro soccer you know and those are the biggest video games that you have right like uh, madden 2k and fifa are the most readily downloaded most popular sports video games college football getting back into that space is going to be great for the growth of popularity with a new generation and i think that you know that's only going to be stock up for college football as a whole and you talk about players getting paid like that's that's just awesome. You're the third string quarterback at whatever Sunbelt University. You get to see your name on a video yeah. game even yeah. if you never get playing time. How cool is that? 
right? Like I, I've heard former college athletes, even back when it was QB number 12 or whatever, you know, just getting to see your likeness or whatever, even back then before it was even your likeness was so cool to those players. So now that your name's in it, you're actually getting a little bit of a kickback, even if it's not going to be that much money, but that's cool that you're going to get a check in the mail every month or whatever, because your name is used on that, on that platform. That's just awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, former players have talked ever since the game stopped coming out that, Hey, needs to come back. You know, even as a player, we'd go to Walmart at midnight, we'd go to GameStop at midnight, get it as soon as you possibly can and throw it in your PlayStation or Xbox to see if you made it in the game, right? Like see what you look like, how your ratings are in the game. That's all going to be able to be directly attributed to those players now, Uh, which I think leads us to a really fun discussion and one that's blown up over Twitter this week. Do we know right now who the cover athlete should be? Is this someone that either should be a past player, a current player like Caleb Williams, who will get drafted after this season, potentially number one overall? Or is the cover athlete someone that is still playing, is going to be playing next year, and, and may may have a breakout season that kind of comes in 2023 that propels them to that? Where, where do y'all land on that? So my big idea on the cover athlete is it should be sort of a collectible thing where we go and we find who it should have been since we had the game last. Mm. We should go oh, find yeah. who should it have been that year, right? Do we put Baker and Lamar and a bunch of these other dudes that have been absolute studs for this game and who have carried this game and its popularity for the last several years that never got a chance to be on the cover, right? They never got a chance to be on the cover. And now, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Lamar on, you know, you know, Madden and all that, like, that's great. Cool. But like, give them a chance to be on the cover here too and make it a collectible thing, right? Make it to where Mm. like you really want to make some money. You're going to like a couple of those players. And so you'll go and collect a couple of those covers, right? You can, you know, order it with a certain cover if you want to, but that lets, I think certain fans of certain teams who say like that, that was my guy, you know, that lets them kind of associate with that as well. If we're talking about just modern players, I mean, how is it not Caleb Williams? At this point, he's the biggest name at the biggest school, the biggest brand. Like, that's the obvious number one. But if you're not going to go with just a current player and, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons I think you probably shouldn't just go with the current player. Yeah, you should make this a collectible thing where you can let people choose, hey, I want the, you know, the 2014 or the 2020 or the 2016 or the 2018 edition. I want one of those editions, right? You could put mm-hmm. an LSU like Joe Burrow on a cover. And that thing is going to sell like crazy in Louisiana. Right. Uh, that thing is sell, you know, a million copies in the first day in Louisiana. No problem. Um, and so I don't know. I just I think this is a really good idea. I think that you could do that and honor a lot of people who should have had the chance. I love that idea. I think yeah. If you are talking current players, Caleb Williams is going to be really hard to yeah. beat. Maybe Drake May if he just ends up lighting the world good. on fire this year and goes really high in next year's draft. But yeah, it's probably going to be a quarterback for a really big team, quarterback for the national championship winning team. I, and we have the door open now to have it be a current college athlete right like there's no rule against that for it being someone that's still in school so that just opens up a new whole new world of possibilities because you think back to the last edition ends up being denard robinson and i I do i don't know if you guys remember this it was like a it was like a online fan vote that a lot of different schools were trying to just get their whole fan bases involved i know a&m I think the final was Denard Robinson versus Ryan Swope from AM, which like <laughs> you're not an AM fan. You have no idea who Ryan Swope is. <laughs> he unfortunately didn't get to do anything in the NFL, but the fan base was just really pumping in millions of votes for yeah. our slot receiver. And you know, that that's really cool. But the obvious choice that year was Johnny Manziel, right? Like there, there's yeah, no reason right. on earth if name image and likeness was a thing in 2012, 2013, Johnny Manziel is, they're, they're not even having a fan bracket because Johnny Manziel yeah. is on the cover of NCAA 14. So the fact that we can get the biggest current stars that you can actually play with on the game, on the cover, just may, finally makes all the sense. I don't think I, I would also like to see kind of a, a legends of the last decade um, compilation. I don't know if that's what they'll do because this is their chance to have a superstar current athlete on the cover right. for the first time. So I think in, in this celebration of 
the new direction of what's possible now. I do think they'll have a singular cover athlete. Um, but to your point, they could do what like MLB The Show has done, where you have a Legends edition or something that comes with, you know, all these pre-order bonuses. Where or historic teams that you can play as. Like if you want to yep. play as the 2019 LSU Tigers and have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you can do that, right? Like or whoever 2020 Alabama. Oh, and and there's no doubt this will be a microtransaction heaven. Yes. Uh, you, oh, yeah. you you will be able to buy a billion different pieces, puzzles, collectibles, players. On this game, I don't really want to dive into that because I'm not a microtransaction guy. I like when I play the show. That's the EA's model, that, though. That's what they do. Yeah, no, it's and it's what they'll do. They'll they'll have a card based uh, element to it for Ultimate Team. Hey, if that's mm-hmm. your thing, congrats. Go go enjoy. I'm gonna be playing <laughs> Dynasty mode with a one star team, and which uh, they have said is going to be like their main focus. It's the flagship focus. Thankfully, yes, like yes. you know, Good. microtransactions will be there, but they have come out and said Dynasty is what we're going to go all out on, which, which they should Lord. like, yep. yes, that, that is your bread and butter. Please don't, please don't hurt the fans. Play one for the fans here, please. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's, that's really, really exciting. Uh, last question before we wrap here, who, uh, maybe it's a short list. Have, have you guys started thinking about who's that first team that you're going to, you're going to start a rebuild with is. Oh man. Uh, you know, it's hard to say who's going to be at the bottom in a couple of years because, you know, the, the usual suspects have been kind of good over the last couple of years. I like starting with Texas teams and kind of working the way up. So maybe I'll maybe I'll rebuild the Texas State Bobcats and make them say. A, a national power that they deserve to be with their amazing college town. Yeah, I think I'm going to, just because I've written their preview article for this year and I've kind of gotten a fondness for them, I think I'm going Miami, Ohio. The Mac is really fun to start. Just such in. a big fan of that team after yeah. kind of looking into their situation this offseason and you know their their cradle of coaches and everything. Super big fan of what they have up there. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, the Mac is always a fun place to start. Um, of course, like old Sun Belt teams uh, oh, yeah. are, are are great as well. Coastal, you can play as Coastal now. Like think of all the teams that you couldn't play as uh, right? unless you downloaded the new mods recently. Yep. The revamp is awesome. James Madison. Yeah, James Madison, Coastal, uh, all these. Appalachian State was not on yeah, the most yeah, recent. Yeah. Rest in peace to FCS Southeast, the the Vipers or whatever they were. I don't think they're going to make this yeah. one. but No, I, yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah, Trey, it's funny. Like, you're, you're like, you know, you can play as Coastal. I'm like, oh, man, I've been playing against Coastal for, for a year now. <laughs> I have yes. not gotten in on the, on the revamp, Trey. I, I really wish that I, I have, but. Well, yeah, you're an Xbox yeah. guy. I think the only way to get revamped is like to have pay somebody to jailbreak yep. the Xbox and install it like internally. Um, so yeah, you Xbox folks were were up a creek if you wanted them. Right. My um, NCA 14 story because you know Mitch and I still do play NCA 14. Obviously, different versions of it, but I literally found my old copy of it in my parents' garage right a couple years ago, and I was just overjoyed. Like it was like, you know, wedding day right here. Day I found NCAA 14. <laughs> Just a rung below, but it was awesome. Like I, I was so happy. If you don't know, like the resale market for that game is you, I, I could sell that game online right now. Maybe not right now because of the news that the new one's coming out. Yeah. But before the new, there were rumors of a new game coming out. You could sell that for 200 bucks easily. Easy. Online, Easy. if not more, yeah. if it's in good condition. So, yep. like, I, I went and immediately found an Xbox 360 on Facebook Marketplace just to play this game. Like, we are overjoyed about this, if you can't tell. Like, we are so sure. excited for this to finally be a reality and all the hoops are finally look like they've been finally jumped through. Well, they've gone through and are redesigning every single stadium. They've requested numerous resources from each university, fight songs, logos, decals, traditions, history. I mean, this should be the most complete football game we've ever seen. And, you know, listen, Dynasty Mode is is awesome, uh, but what made NCAA football so unique was the traditions and the the unique pageantry that you went to, it didn't matter if you were playing as a big school or if you were playing as, you know, a one-star program, uh, newly into the Mac or the Mountain West, whatever, there were items that made each of those schools 
unique and and easy to root for. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to have that turned up to 11 from what we've heard on this game, I, I just, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a, an, a, a return to high school, I think, for a lot of a lot of our age guys, right? I think there might have to be a couple of late nights, maybe some energy <laughs> drinks, some some cheap tacos <laughs> consumed, and uh, you know, uh, zoom through years one through three of the program to to get your your recruits in and, and the pipeline built, and then go chase a national championship. I can't wait. You're, you're just speaking my language right now. I, I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Uh, and early apologies to all the, the wives and girlfriends. Significant out there. others are going to be very upset, but yeah, in, including ours. <laughs> just, just, you know, budget budget that in. Let's you know maybe hey, let's make up for it in advance. Um, let's you know get some get some things planned on the calendar. But yeah, yeah. real real nice dinner date vacation the weekend before it comes out. <laughs> right. Buy yourself some good grace. You're on you know? the calendar right now. This is an official yeah. like husband or boyfriend tip. Okay, well maybe That's we'll true. start throwing these into the podcast. Give you a husband <laughs> yeah. or boyfriend tip for you know how to handle yourself here. June becomes National Wife and Girlfriend Month uh, next year because July is going to be all about the boys yep. uh, on, <laughs> on, uh, on EA Football 2024. Can we get uh, one of those July is for the boys towels like the Barstool has? Can we can we get a copyright on that real yeah, quick? You're, you're welcome, Barstool. We're doing <laughs> Barstool. Buy that URL for us right now. Just yeah. <laughs> Uh, guys, that's, uh, that's a good place to wrap. I think as any, uh, it's been a blast as always, we're getting close to not only the, the magazine release, some big content coming out, um, that's, you know, in, in an official capacity, but we're also getting back to the return of two episodes per week. Uh, we're planning on that, getting ready for our own conference previews. Um, I think once we get maybe through the month of May and into June, media days start ramping up. That's when you'll have episodes back uh, two times a week. We can't wait. Of course, once we hit the regular season, previews drop on uh, Thursdays and recaps will uh, drop on Monday morning. So inside 100 days, fellas, it's getting close. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. It's double digits. We are counting down the days. Almost there. Well, for Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening and or watching. If you're over on the YouTube channel, subscribe and follow if you don't already. And until next time, so long, everybody.